Hello? You're getting a lot of outside wind because he's outside. Now he's inside. <laughs> so he was outside. There was a breeze. Well, it's, it's breezy outside. Glory to God. Well, it's healing school. And uh, we're going to continue looking at healings in the Old Testament. We just got done with a wonderful time of prayer. Much was accomplished. Glory to God. Uh, but, it's heal- but it's healing school. And uh, we're working our way through the Old Testament. Uh, last week, God kind of took us on a little bit of a detour. We went back and we looked, at, we looked at Old Testament, but we didn't look at actual healings, physical healings taking place. But it was still a very good word uh, by sudden inspiration of the Spirit. Uh, but this week we're going to get we're going to dive right into the book of Samuel. There's two different uh, healing situations that take book that take place in First uh, Samuel and in Second Samuel. Um, so we got a lot of scripture to read, uh, but we're going to uh, just jump right in and we're going to read. So we're going to First Samuel chapter one. We're going to start off First Samuel chapter one, and we're going to look at. Um, <clears throat> Hannah, uh, who conceives Samuel, uh, and you know we we've see, we've already looked at several. We looked at uh, Abraham and Sarah conceiving Isaac. We looked at um, <coughs> uh, several other uh, women. Uh, we looked at uh, several other women that were barren conceiving sons. And so this is another account. But in each one, each one's been conceived differently. Healings come a different way. Um, and so let's uh, start right here in verse 1, and we're going to read to about verse 20. We might make some commentary along the way, but that's where we're going to go. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 20. All right. Now there was a certain man, Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Johram the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zupa, the Ephrathite. All right, now sometimes when you look at these names in the Old Testament, here's a good, here's a good thing to do a study on. Go Get out your Strong's Concordance, whether it's on your phone or the book, and look these names up, and you'll find that a lot of times these names give you some more insight. We're not doing that right now, but if you go look at a lot of these names, a lot of these names declare the work of God in them. Uh, so that's just a fun little side note, but uh, we'll keep going. All right. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penah. Yeah, Penana, <laughs> that sounds good. Penana. And Penana. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Penana had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of the city. Clearly to worship the and to sacrifice, or yearly to worship and sacrifice unto the Lord of Hosts in uh, Silo, Shiloh, sorry, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni yes. and Phineas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was was that Elkanah offered, uh, he gave to Peniah his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But to Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. 
Now, that means basically the, the, the other women uh, were, were taunting her and saying, you know, the Lord doesn't care about you. You're a nobody. You're nothing. And here's the deal. Uh, even today, the devil, I mean, people don't, people don't put that weight on you so much anymore. I mean, they do, but not like they did back then. But the devil will put that weight on somebody dealing with infer- infertility. You know, what's wrong with you, huh? The adversary is the devil. So this is a type and shadow of how the devil comes against you. But in her situation, she was dealing with a physical, with, with other physical women. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. All right, verse 7. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she, provo- so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now the, uh, now e- Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall be, and, and there shall no razor come upon his head. All right, so here Hannah um, remember I said, look at their name sometime. Hannah actually means grace. That's actually what it means is grace. So, uh, Hannah, uh, was, she was making, she was making a bargain with Jesus. She was making a bargain with the father of God. She's like, Jesus, if you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. Father God, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do this for you. And so, uh, you know, and and some people will read this and say, well, it was Hannah's uh, bargain that uh, got God to open her womb. But we're going to find out here in a few minutes it wasn't Hannah's bargain at all. But heart, but but Hannah did make a commitment in her heart that Samuel would actually be dedicated to the Lord. Um, you know, and a lot of times when you're under pressure, you got situations. People think that bargaining with God is going to get the job done. Bargaining with God is not going to get the job done. What gets the job done is faith. Faith is what brings uh, God on the scene. Uh, but, but here she is. She's bargaining with him. So let's keep reading. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. He noticed what she was saying. Now Hannah, she spoke, or she spake in her heart only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli, and Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. So how much do you know? So here she is. She's just, with, she's just pouring her. She's at the temple. She's pouring her heart out to God. And Eli makes the assumption this woman is crazy and she's, she's drunk. In fact, when it says that Eli marked her, Eli was the prophet. So when he marked her, he marked her as a sinner because he made the assumption that she was a drunkard. So, you know, when, we, when, when the prophet, when the pastor, when somebody in the fivefold office marks somebody, they're saying, Lord, 
pay attention to this. This is not okay. And so when he marked her, it actually made a, a mark against her. And, and then he called her out for it. Look at what happens. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the, women, so the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. So she, she had faith in, in the answer. And they, and they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to her house to, uh, to Ramah and, Elka, and Elkanah. Knew, uh, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the, the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Glory to God. So what actually, uh, what actually caused Hannah's barrenness to be removed from her uh, is, um, was, the, was the request of the prophet. The request of the prophet. It was the petition of the prophet um, and Eli's name actually means ascension. So his request actually ascended. Again, this is a type and shadow of Jesus um, and the works of Christ. You know, when we come to Christ and we make, you know, uh, Jesus is our, he is our intercessor. He is our go-between. And so when we talk to Jesus, when we make requests, of Je when we make requests in Jesus' name, then he then our request is ascended up into heaven up to the father's throne and and that's why jesus said if you'll ask anything in my name it will be granted unto you um and in fact it says in you know and here hannah um hannah's prayer didn't change the situation hannah's pleading you know god i'll make him a nazarite you know a razor won't touch his head he won't drink any drink in other words, she said, I'm going to dedicate him to you. In other words, she was going to make him just like Samson, you know, uh, dedicated to the Lord. And that didn't change the Lord. What changed the Lord was uh, Eli's declaration. Eli, as the high priest, as the judge of Israel, is what made it come to pass. When Jesus goes to the Father on our behalf, that's what brings the petitions together. Well, how does he go to the Father on our behalf? He, when we pray in his name, he, that's his petition going up. When we pray in line with the word and we pray in line with his, with his name, that, uh, that brings things to pass. He actually had the power, Eli had the power to call those things which were not as though they are. Well, guess what? In the New Testament, because we are in Christ, we have that same prophet office. We have that same priest office. We have that same king's office. 
We have the power. We have the authority. We have the might and the ability to call things that are not as though they were. How do we do that? By the words of our mouth. You know, Eli said, oh, you're sorrowful and you want a child. Now, he's feeling bad because he marked her as a sinner. And then he realized, oh, she's not a sinner. This is what her deal is. And so then he declared that she would have a child. What did he do? He called what was not as though it was, and that came to pass. Well, remember, uh, Jesus called us a royal priesthood. Because we're a royal priesthood, we now have that same authority that Eli had. We now have that same authority to call things as the, that are not as they were. So now yeah. we have the authority to say, even, even though you may have some type of sickness in your body, you have the right to say, I am healed, I am whole. You have the right to call what was not as though it was. Now, Hannah's faith also played a part in this because Absolutely. she could have said, that old prophet, he don't know nothing. He's he thought crazy. I was drunk. Yeah, he's crazy. And, and he, he doesn't know nothing. So she could, have, she could have not received that prophecy and she could have not uh, had faith that it was going to come to pass and it would not have. So she had a part to play in it too. Uh, but, and, and, and her faith that his, in the prophet, in the Lord's prophet, is what brought her her miracle. All right. But notice in verse 17, Eli said, go in peace. He said, go in peace. He told Hannah, Hannah, go in peace. If Hannah had walked away going, well, I don't feel pregnant. Well, nothing actually happened. Well, I don't know. He gave her an instruction. When the Lord gives you an instruction, when the Lord says, when, when you've gone to the Lord and the Lord says, declare it and then praise me for it, if you declare it but then you don't praise, you've not followed instruction. Absolutely. You've not followed instructions. You've got to follow the instruction. Glory to God. So one way that we can receive healing is we can be like Eli and we can call that which is not as though it was but then we've got to do what Hannah did, and we've got to go in peace, trusting in our heart that it's so, trusting in our heart that it's good. So if you need a healing, uh, if you need healing in your back or your knee or your stomach, whatever, when you speak to that thing, declare that you have it, declare that you're healed, declare that you're whole, and then go in peace, thanking and praising God that it's so. Think about the ten lepers. None of them got cleansed, but one of them got made whole. Amen. Why? Because he came back in worship. Absolutely. Came back in worship. You know, sometimes, you know, you'll get a partial healing and not a complete healing because you don't continue to remain in peace. Amen. You don't, remain, you don't continue to stay there. And it says, she, he said, go in peace. And look at what it said. He gave her a word. The God of Israel grant thy petition that thou hast requested of him. He all he said was it's granted. Well, who am I to speak? Who am I to speak for God? Well, if you've got the word of God. You're a high priest. You've got the authority to speak. Speak what the word speaks. Speak what the word speaks. Speak what the word speaks. A lot of people don't have the confidence to speak what God speaks because they don't understand their position in him. You know, it do you good to take that scripture over there in Peter, First Peter, it do you good to meditate. I'm a whole I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. 
I'm a chosen generation. I'm a peculiar person. It do you some good to meditate on what those things mean. You know, I got over there, that, that peculiar. Listen, you know, when I came into Christ, this is careful. Listen, this is the Holy Ghost. When I came into Christ, the only thing I ever knew, the only thing I knew to acquaint to peculiar, they're going to, this going to mess you up, is I don't know why, I don't know why I had this as a peculiar thing in my mind, but I did. Was the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater. That's a peculiar thing. Yes, but I it just would be thought, if it was huh? real. What? It would be. It would real. be. It would be. You know that Halloween. You know, you know. I had that peculiar in my mind. I, for some reason, every time I heard that word peculiar, that's just what I imagined. I don't know why, but I thought, Lord, that can't be what you're talking about. That just can't be what you're talking about when you say peculiar. So I went to the Lord, and I and I got out my Strong's Concordance, and I got out my dictionaries, and I started looking up what peculiar meant. And peculiar actually means that you've been you've been purchased. Yeah, I said purchased. You know, we don't like to think of ourselves as purchased because when you think of yourself as purchased, you think of yourself as a slave. Well, he purchased us as servants, and he purchased us out of the grips of hell. Through, by his own blood, Amen. by the blood of the highest king there is, the highest king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, the second part of the Godhead, he poured out his physical blood to pay for me. Uh, how much you know? That makes me peculiar. Amen. That makes me peculiar. Oh, and then not only am I peculiar, not only did he purchase, not only did he purchase me with his blood, but then he saw fit to say, okay, well, I purchased you out of hell, but now you're my royal priest. Now think about that. When was the last, when was the last time that you thought of somebody, well, we're a little different in this house because we think of Brother Randy, you know, he came out of the jailhouse and uh, became a priest. But they're a minister of the gospel. But for the most part, when you when you find out that somebody used to be a convict and now they're a minister, you go, wait, what? Wait, what? Uh, no, I, I I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't think that's somebody that I want to listen to. Listen, you want to listen to if, if they've truly got the hand of God on them, you want to listen to them because they've learned some things about God. God's taken them from the depths of hell and brought them into the kingdom. That's somebody you can grow from. Think about David, uh, um, uh, Joseph. Remember, he got put in the jail. Wasn't it Joseph? Which one went? Yeah. Yeah, Joseph. Joseph, you know, he was ahead of Pharaoh's house, and then he got thrown into the jail. He got thrown into the dungeon. He was down there for quite a while, and then guess what? They brought him back out, and he become basically the second in charge under Pharaoh. I mean, it was Pharaoh, and then it was Joseph. Boom, bam. And you're thinking, wow, what happened? He went from being a peculiar person to a royal priesthood, to a chosen generation, to a holy nation. Holy Amen. nation. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, here Hannah is. She's hearing from God. Yep. And when she heard the word of the prophet, she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. Because remember, back in verse 7, it said, And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, and therefore she wept and did not eat. So it was her, her, her practice during this time of the year, because 
because her adversary was provoking her that she would not eat and she would weep and she would feel sorry. But, but she was so comforted. Grub. She was so comforted by the by the prophecy given to her by the priest of the Lord, or by the prophet of the Lord, that that she 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 said, "All right, I'm going to eat, and I'm not going to be sad anymore." She knew that she had what she what she had heard. And she knew that that it, she had confidence that it was going to be given to her. And here's another point. Notice her countenance changed. Yes. She went from being sad and downtrodden. Now, was there a baby in the womb at this point? Nope. Was there any physical evidence that anything in her had changed? Nope. She there had, was they, all they she hadn't had. Even, they hadn't even done the deed at this point. Yeah. All she had was the word of God. When you get a hold of the word of God, your countenance needs to change. And once your countenance needs, once your countenance changes, once you go from being down, depressed, sad, not wanting to eat, you're in depression, you get a hold of the word, then, then that brings joy and rejoicing, then you need to hold on to that joy and rejoicing. What if while she traveled back home or wherever she had to travel to, to get with her husband, what if she got along, walking along the road and started going, well, you know, I don't feel like anything's changed on the inside. Well, I know that's what the prophet said, but what if it doesn't? She did not get over to playing the what if. Nope. And she Don't ever play the what if. She wasn't to Satan either. Because right. Satan would have been whispering to her saying, hey, you know, he thought you were drunk. What's he know? Right. You know? Yeah, don't play the what if game. Don't play the what if game. Well, now let's go look at another situation in Samuel. This time we're going to Second uh, Samuel chapter 24. 24. 2 Samuel chapter 24. That's all. That's that's almost we're, the we're end. Taking, we're taking a big journey. We're going to both ends of to Samuel. Both ends of Samuel. We did the first chapter of Samuel. Now we're doing the very last chapter of Samuel. So Samuel chapter four, verse one, and uh, we've got. I thought a, you said twenty-four. Twenty-four. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Second Samuel chapter twenty-four, verse one through verse twenty-five, and then we're going to see this uh, same account again in First Chronicles. So we got a lot of reading to do. Okay. So chapter 24, verse 1. And, and again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he moved David against them to say, go, number Israel and Judah. All right, real quick. Notice what it says. And it says, and again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Well, pastor, what did Israel do wrong? It don't matter. It don't matter. All that matters is Israel messed up again. Again, Israel missed it. Israel probably got into murmuring and complaining. Israel probably got back. Now he's talking about the nation. How much you know, more than likely, Israel probably got back over into pagan worship. Every time you turned around, Israel was making the same mistakes over and over and over and over. And God's like, how long is it going to take y'all people to figure out this ain't hard? Just be doers of the word. Amen. Just be doers of the word. Well, what happens when God's anger gets kindled against you? What happens when, that ha when he gets upset with you? What happens when you go against God? He lifts his hand of protection. And when he lifts his hand of protection, what gets to move in? Satan. Sin, sickness, disease, the works of Satan. The, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what? So here's all we need to know. We need to all we need to know is Israel got over into sin, and God again is lifting His hand of protection off of Israel because Israel has made a mess again. Yep. 
That's right. right. Verse 2. For the king said to, to Joab, the captain of the host, which was with him, Go now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, and number ye the people, that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said unto the king, Now the Lord thy God add, un, add unto the people, how many soever they be, and a hundredfold, and that the eyes of my lord the king may see it. But why doth my lord the king delight in this thing? Notwithstanding, the king's word prevailed against Joab and, the, and against the captains of the host. And Joab and the captains of the host went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. And they passed over Jordan and pitched in Error, 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 okay, with an A instead of an E. All right, on the right side of the city that lieth in the list in the midst of the river Gad and towards Jazer. When they came to Gilead and to the land of Tathamadshi, Tatham, and they came to Danjan and about, and about to, the, to Zidon, and came to the stronghold of Tyre, and all the cities of the Hivites and of the Canaanites, and they went out to the south of Judah, even to Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. And Joab gave up the sum of the number of the people unto the king. And there were in so it, and it took nine months and twenty days for them to go count everybody. That's a long time. That's a lot of work. No wonder they didn't want to do it. <laughs> and Joab gave gave up the sum of the number of people unto the king. And there were in Israel eight hundred thousand valiant men that drew the sword. And the men of Judah were five hundred thousand men. Okay, notice this count. Notice this count. This is a big count. It says that there were in Israel eight hundred eight hundred thousand valiant men that drew their sword. They didn't count the women. They didn't count the children. They didn't count the elderly. They didn't count the young. They only counted the valiant men that drew the sword. The only the men that were well able to fight and, and had that ability, and it was 800,000. And then the men of Judah, it doesn't say whether they were valiant or not, but probably the same right. count. Uh, there was 500,000. There was 500,000 in one tribe. In one tribe, there was 500,000. I mean, this was a big task to, to count these people. This was a big task. And David's heart smote af him after that, that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I, in, in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now, we don't fully understand this. If you know something about numbers, you'll find out that uh, in the book of Numbers, God told David on two occasions to take a census of the people for various reasons. But after that, he, God said, don't count the people anymore. But there was some situations going on, and uh, David took it upon himself to go get the, num the people numbered. And he had, how long did it take him to, how long did it take for these, for this numbering to be done? Nine months. So he had nine months he could have repented. But he didn't repent for nine months. And then they come and bring him the count, and then he went, oh. <laughs> then he went, oh. 
Let's keep reading a little bit more. All right, verse 11. For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord. Now notice, in this, notice it said Gad, David's seer. Remember, in the Old Testament, you had the king who heard from God. But every king had, there was a prophet at, 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 with every king, or in the time of every king. And Gad was the prophet while David was king. The prophets were, Old Testament prophets, were known as seers because they could see things in the spirit. And so uh, David basically went to the prophet or the priest of his day is who he went to. All right. All right. So thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose three, choose thee one of them that I may do it unto thee now notice that do it is italicized so it says that i may unto thee in other words i may allow one of these things to come unto thee okay so gad came to david and told him and said unto him shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land or wilt thou flee three months before thine enemies while they pursue thee or that there be three days pestilence in thy land now advise and see what answer I shall return to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. And let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning even to the time appointed. And there died of the people from Dan even... Uh, to Beersheba, 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil and said, and said to the angel that destroyed the people, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Aruna, the Jebusite. And David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people and said, Lo, I have sinned and I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, be against me and against my father's house. And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite, and David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming in towards him. And Aruna went out and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. And Aruna said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Aruna said unto David, Let my lord the king take up and offer what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice, and threshing instruments, and other instruments of the oxen for wood. All these things did Aruna as a king gave unto the king. And Aruna said to the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. God. And the king said unto Aruna, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. 
Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of what of what which doth cost me nothing. So David brought the threshing floor, the oxen uh, and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stayed from Israel. Okay, so obviously we're missing some details. That's why we're going to go to Chronicles here in a minute and see some details. But what we do know is that David was the one that sinned by going and numbering the people when he shouldn't have. Then the Lord came to him, and this is Old Testament. This isn't how God, this isn't how things operate in the New Testament. But, da but God came to David and through Gad and said, you can have one of these three uh, punishments. Uh, this can come upon the people, this can come upon the people, and this can come upon the people. Well, then God's an evil man because he judged, he came against the people because of the sin of David. But you've got to stop and remember what caused David to number the people to begin with, the fact that the Israelites had sinned against God. See, here's what you have to understand. One person's sin can cause you to sin, but your sin can be the one that opens the door to, to, to God lifting his hand. And so you've got to be very careful about your fellowships. You've got to be very careful about how you respond to situations you, when you're responding to another situation, do not want to get yourself into sin. But notice that David, you know, the pestilence, I mean, David could have stayed ugly and said, you know what, they're the ones that caused the problem in the first place, just let the plague run its course. But David took responsibility for his sin. He stepped in and he said, okay, Lord, he said, I know they messed up, but this, this plague is because of my mess up. So, Lord, what do I need to do to, to, to make this stop? And he and the Lord talked some things out, worked some things out, and, and, and he got the plague to stop. But let's go get our details in First Chronicles chapter uh, 2. First Chronicles chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 1. First right. Chronicles chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. I don't know what's wrong with me. First Chronicles chapter 2, verse 1. First Chronicles chapter 2, verse 1. I get the one stuck in my head. All right. All right. So these are the sons of Israel, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Ishakar, and Zebulon, Dan, Joseph, Benjamin, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The sons of Judah... Aronan, Er, and Onan, and Shelah, which were, which three were born unto him of the daughter of Shua, the Canaanite, Tis, Canaanitis, and Er, the firstborn of Judah, was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he slew him, and Tamar, his daughter-in-law, bare him Pharez. And Zira. All the sons. Pause. Okay. We're in the wrong chapter. Are we? Okay. We need First Chronicles chapter twenty-one. Oh, twenty-one. Okay. I'll twenty-one. I thought. What did I do? We just getting to the right place. Yeah, I was like, where? This is the genealogy. Let's 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 make an adjustment. Okay. First Chronicles twenty-one. <laughs> I left off a one. All right. There we go. There we go. Now remember back in. Back in uh, 
back in um, where, Sam, Samuel, Samuel. That, um, that, that God took his hand of protection away from, from Israel. From Israel. Right? We're going to find out why here. So right here in the very first verse, it says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. See, Satan knew what Israel was. Satan knew what David was not to do. And what God and when God had had David number Israel in the past, it was for a specific reason. And the situation that David was looking at was a very similar situation. So so Satan said, "Oh, if I can get Israel into this same situation, then I can get David to respond the same way." But in the first situation, David went to the Lord and said, "Lord, how do I need to handle this?" When it came to this to this situation, he, David just responded out of what he had done in the past. He had not gone to God to find out how to handle a situation. How much do you know in the New Testament, God tells us to pray about every situation. We are too quick to respond a lot of times, and that gets us into sin. So we need, when a situation comes at us, our first response needs to be, let me pray about that and get back to you. Let me pray about it and get back to you. Because if David had said, mm, Israel's messing up, let me go talk to the Lord and see how the Lord wants me to handle it, this would have never happened. But Satan set a trap, and David stepped right in it. Yes, he did. Stepped right in it. All right, verse 2. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered the, answered, the Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. In other words, they keep moving around. To, it's kind of hard to count them. Well, and they've been multiplying. The Lord's been multiplying right? the people. He's been multiplying. Remember, a servant to the house of Israel, if they would attach themselves to the family that they were servant to, they became of the Israelite nation. And, so, and, and then the only... Israelites were very prolific. They had lots of babies. So guess what? Israel was growing by leaps and bounds. And not only that, the Lord told uh, told Israel that that his that his his uh, children would be greater than the sand. Yeah. So yeah. eventually. So Joab's going, uh, David. Do you understand how big of a task this is? Listen. Sometimes when you're up against the wall, the Lord will send somebody to you to ask you a question to kind of jar you out of what you're about to do. Or to suggest that you do something. And I, Michael and I have seen this as pastors. Somebody will come to us about a situation and we'll say, well, this is what we recommend. And then how much do you know? They ignore everything we tell them. And they go handle it the way they were going to handle it before they ever came and talked to us. And we're like, if you had just come and talked to us and if you had actually done what we told you to do, you would not be in this position. Well, guess what? God sent Joab to David and said, and was trying to, he was, he was, he wasn't, I mean, Joe, David's the king. And you don't just go to the king and say, uh, David, you're wrong for uh, counting the people and you're fixing to take the bait of Satan. No, Joab was like, he was saying, David, I think you might want to stop and think about what you're doing here. David, take it. basically, he was, he was trying to get the king to step back for a minute and think about it and, and, and kind of reanalyze it before he stepped out. Sometimes God will send somebody to help you, but if you're not being sensitive to the Spirit, let me say this. If you have the sin of familiarity, you go, oh, well, that's just the pastor. Oh, that's just the wife. Oh, that's just the friend. 
that's just that's just the counselor if you have that sin of familiarity and you just put them as well that's just them you'll miss that god is talking to you and you'll make excuses as to why you don't have to listen to them and it'll get you in a mess because david relied on joab that's why he called joab in the first place he relied on joab to help rule the people. He relied on Joab to be an advisor. And when Joab stepped in the role of advisor, he didn't listen. He didn't listen. All right. So verse 3. And Joab answered the Lord, make his people, uh, the Lord make his people. Or jo- I read that without a comma. Sorry. And Joab answered, the Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my Lord, the k- king, in other words, you're the king. Are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? He's going to ask them, uh, David, why are you going to why are you going to cause Israel to be in sin? He flat asked the king, uh, David, uh, king, you're my Lord, you're the king. I mean, you do no disrespect, uh, but don't you know this is the wrong thing to do? Don't you know this is the wrong thing? Come on. Verse 4. Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. How much do you know? Joab respected the office. Be very careful. Joab respected the office. Joab knew that what David was doing was wrong. But Joab also knew that David held the office of king and notice it says that the uh, the, what did it say the office what did he say how did he say it he said nevertheless the king's word prevailed Uh, he said he in other words he said well i'm in disagreement with the king but i'm going to do what the king said to do he honored the office even though the man in the office did the wrong thing all right verse five and Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David. And all they of Israel were a thousand and uh, were a thousand thousand and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. Well, that's different than last time. That's lots and lots. That's (laughs) lots and lots. Yeah. Yeah. And Judah was four hundred thousand, three score and ten thousand men that drew sword. That's close to what the other So the one numbers was. are close. The numbers are really close. And how much do you know? Uh, the books were written at times apart, and different people. We're not. We're not going to be in in context. You know, we're not going to fuss. And and when you say a thousand thousand, that's an approximate number. So here, Chronicles records the approximate number, and Samuel recorded the actual number. All right, verse six. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them. For the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly, because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came unto David, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose thee 
either three years of famine or three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that the sword of thine enemies overtake thee, or else three days the, the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coasts of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. All right, notice, notice it again. He says you've got these three things. In the Old Testament, the way that uh, sin had to be paid for was through some type of judgment, through some type of sacrifice or some type of judgment. So, so the Lord did not even give David the option to sacrifice. The Lord just said, there's judgment coming. Which way do you want it? You want this judgment, this judgment, or this judgment? Now, we've learned through our book of Revelations that judgment is not uh, God grabbing Satan and sending Satan out to be, you know, God's, uh, you know, uh, you know, his, his henchman. henchman. That's not what it is. He, no, what it is is um, judgment is God's love in action. God's judgment is sending correction before all of, I mean, if there's a thousand thousands of men that can draw a sword, uh, how many Israelites are there altogether? Millions upon millions. Because they, they didn't count the women. They didn't count the children. They didn't count the elderly. The elderly. They just counted just the men. It says that they didn't count uh, the, the tribe of Levi, Levi and the tribe of Benjamin because they were at odds with, it, with Israel at the time. He said, we, don't even, we didn't even count them. So there were millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of Israelites. Here's what you have to understand about consequences. How much do you know consequences doesn't just help the person that are getting the consequences, but it helps the people around them to go, mm, I don't want to make that mistake right there. That's not a good plan. And so now in the New Testament, that's not in the New Testament. We don't have to either have judgment or sacrifice because the sacrifice has already been given. That's the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's there's already a sacrifice in place when sin occurs in the New Testament, which is why when sin occurs in the New Testament, if you've never received Jesus, you need to get born again. If you receive Jesus and you slip. Sin is, should not be your lifestyle, but you slip, you accidentally step over into a sin uh, because, you got, uh, because you didn't control your flesh, then that's where you repent immediately and take advantage of the sacrifice. That's where you take advantage of that sacrifice. Um, and so that's what they had going on here is God said, okay, here's one of three judgments. But, not, but another way that it could be paid for is through sacrifice. And let's look at what David does. Verse 13. All right. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. But let me not fall into the hand of men. In other words, he said, Lord, don't let my enemies come chase me. He, he said, I, that one, that judgment, that's not the judgment that I want. Because remember what the judgments were. The judgment said you can choose uh, either three years of famine means three years of no food supplies, uh, three, or three months uh, that you'd be destroyed by your foes, by the sword, uh, they'd overtake you. He said, no, that, I don't want that one either. He said, else three day, uh, or he said, or um, even a pestilence in the land. He said, you can have a, pest, a sickness and a disease come. You can have your enemies come get you, 
or there can just be a famine, a lack of food and supply. And, and, and David said, mm, rather is, he said, I'd rather a famine or a pestilence, a sickness. He said, I'd prefer one of those two than we be taken out by others. By others. And so the Lord said, all right. <laughs> he said, well, I won't let that one come against you, but here's what will come. Let's keep going. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jer Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil, and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Now stay thy hand. Again, talking Old Testament, they did not understand the difference between angels and demons. They did not understand. God did not take an angel out of heaven and hand him a sickness and said, Go make my people sick. That's not what happened. What happened was God removed his hand of protection and a demon came in with a sickness and that sickness took out 70,000 Israelites. And, and at some point, God reached down and said, okay, demon, that's enough. I'm going to put my hand back in protection on them. Probably because at that point, the people were calling out in repentance. It doesn't give us all the details, but more than likely, the people were probably calling out to God at this point. Oh, God, help us. How much do you know when sickness is, how much do you know when COVID hit, people, people, uh, they couldn't run to the churches because the churches closed their doors for the most part, but they ran to services online. They ran to services online. They ran to their prayer closets. They ran to the word of God. Come on. All right. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, and David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not that I commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thy hand, let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Then, then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of God or of Gad, which he spake unto spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat, and as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David, and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. When David said to Ornan, or then David said to Ornan, "Grant me the place of this this threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it to me, or grant it me for the full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people." In other words, he said he was telling him, "I don't care what the price is; I'm going to pay it." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Ornan said unto David, "Take it to thee." 
and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. So Ornan already knew what was going on with the pestilence. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if you're going to make this stop, take it all. Yeah. And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. In other words, in other words David was willing to pay the price for his sins. So many people do not want to pay the price for their sin. So many people want to make their sins somebody else's fault. So many people. Now, now here's the deal. This is what we know. We know for a fact that Israel had grieved the Lord. We know that Israel had sinned, and that's what provoked David. David could have said, well, Israel did this, and Israel can get the sacrifice, and Israel can handle this because Israel's the one. But no, what David did is David took responsibility for his part. David took the full weight and the full pressure. David said, no, because Ornan is part of God, part of Israel. Ornan had every right to say, no, take it for God. And, And David said, no, this pestilence is my fault. This sickness is my fault. Therefore, I'm going to pay the price for the sin. I'm going to take the weight of it. I'm going to take the consequence. Hmm. Now, listen. Again, this is Old Testament. But here's the deal. When In the New Testament, we can do something similar. We can say when sickness, when disease, when things attack, when we understand that there's a sin in our life, we can say, Lord, it's 100% my fault. Yes, so-and-so provoked this situation. Yes, so-and-so kind of got me over here in this position. But you know what, Lord? At the end of the day, the final decision to sin was mine, oh, mine. Mine, oh, mine. David took responsibility. Taking responsibility for your, for your choices, taking responsibility and taking it before God will allow God to move with compassion and mercy upon your life. It'll allow him to move. Come on. All right, verse 25. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. That's a big price. Yeah, and it's a lot higher than the other price. That's a big <laughs> price. In Samuel, it was 50 shekels of silver. Now it's 600 shekels of gold. I'm like, okay, one of them's right, but it doesn't really matter which one. He probably paid in gold and silver, to be honest. One knew about, I mean, honestly. All right. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put up his sword again unto the sheath thereof. At that time, or... At that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. For the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of the burnt offering were at the season, uh, at, were at that season in the high place at Gibson, or Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God. 
for he was afraid because of the sword of the angel of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Um, and of course, the, the it it ended when he when the angel put up put the sword again into the sheath thereof. Oh, I know what the difference is. Over here in verse five, it says six hundred shekels of gold by weight. It wasn't. It's they they the one was silver, the other one's by weight, or one was by the amount, the other one's by weight. Okay. That's the difference. Uh, um, but notice notice David was willing to pay the full price. David paid the full price for his failure. He didn't throw the other person under the bus. He didn't throw Israel under the bus. He said, nope, this is 100% on me. One way to cast Satan out of your life, Satan wants you to blame others. He wants you to put the blame on other people. One way that you can get healing in your life is take full weight and responsibility for your own walk, for your own life, for your own thing. Take the responsibility. Pay the consequence and begin. And here's the deal. In order for David to pay the full price, David had to examine himself. David had to judge himself. Go to, uh, go to, um, I know where we're going. Let me let me get New there. Testament, huh? We're going into the New Testament. Uh, is it first or second? Thessalonians. No. Go to Second uh, Corinthians oh, chapter goodness. nine. I believe is where I want to go. No, I said I was right the first time. First, first Corinthians. Corinthians nine. First Corinthians chapter eleven. Eleven. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. All right. Where at? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28. All right. But and this is, talking about, this is talking about taking communion with the Lord. It's talking about sitting down with the Lord and taking, the, and taking of the blood and taking of his body, taking of the juice, taking of the bread, sitting and communing with God. Having fellowship with God. How much you know this is what David did? David sat down before the Lord and said, Okay, Lord, let's discuss this thing. And look at what it's this is this is a this is what Jesus taught them. Let's look at verse twenty eight. All right. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. In, in this case, they're talking about many Physical die. Death. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Listen, many people have sickness in their lives because they will not judge the sin in their life. They'll judge most of the sin, but they won't judge all of the sin. Look at what he said. Look, this is, this is what Jesus taught them. Jesus taught them... He said, let a man examine himself. David, David was looking at the plague situation, and David had every right to say, the Israelites drove me to it. It was the Israelites' sin that caused me to do this. He could have made excuses. He could have said, back there, you, they did the same thing, and this is how you told me to handle it, Lord, so I handled it the same way. He could have made excuses, but instead, David examined himself. 
David looked at what did he do wrong. And here's what the Lord, and the Lord said, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. When we take communion with the Lord, when we eat and drink of communion, and we know that we've got sin in our life, and we refuse to address it, look at what it says. It says, for, uh, he says, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, in other words, you've not judged the sin in your life. He said, you drink damnation to yourself. And here's why you're drinking. It's not because God's not looking up in heaven and going, you've got sin. Oh, you didn't judge it. Bam! Smack you on the head like a -a whack-a-mole. No. What he says is you're taken of the cup and you've got open sin and that, or you've got sin, you've got sin in your life and therefore you've got a door of the devil open and the devil has every right to bring sickness and disease on you. Yep. You've got, he's got every right to do this. And he says, he says, they drink damnation to themselves, not discerning the Lord's body. It's not about the bread and the, and the, and the wine. Or the bread and the juice. It's about, we, we, our morning confession this morning was 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where it talks about this body is one with the body of Christ. If you're sinning in your physical body, you're making the Lord Jesus Christ one with your sin. So if you're making Jesus the Lord, you're making Jesus the Christ the, in oneness with your sin, then he said you're not discerning the Lord's body. You're not discerning it. And because of that, for that very reason, look at what it says. He said, for that very reason, many are weak and sickly among you. And, and many, many sleep or many die. Many, many come to a premature death. Listen, it's important that you look at how you're behaving in your body. Are you keeping your tongue under control? Are you keeping the sin out of your life? Are you drinking, smoking, cussing, gossiping, carousing? Are you making excuses to feed with the flesh? Are you living with somebody instead of being married to them? Lord, don't take kindly to these things. And he doesn't take kindly to it because if you say, well, Jesus, here we are arm in arm, hand in hand, I've got you in my arm. Come on, Jesus. And then I go and I take him down into down to Sinville. Guess what? Not. Jesus is going with me. Because Jesus ain't go, Jesus is going to go wherever I take him. There will be a conviction in the spirit. He, he can whisper in my ear, uh, we don't need to do this. But Jesus no, is going to no, no. no, that's not a good plan. But he's still going to come. He's still going to come. I'm just going to ter- carry him with me. And because of that, I'm putting sickness, death, and disease on myself. So listen, if you've got sickness, death, and disease, you need to be like David, and you need to say, Lord, are there sins in my life? Are there sins in my life? Are there things that I need to repent from? Are there things that I need to change? Are there things that I need to adjust? Don't get, and if that's your situation, don't get down in the molly grubs and beat yourself up for seven weeks. Just repent, change your mind, and move on. Fess up, when you mess up, fess up, move on. But here's the deal. It's not, it's not you messed up, you fessed up, you keep doing it and pretending like you're not. No, you clean it out of your life and you move on. Well, glory to God, I've preached myself happy. I now know how to ward off sickness, death, and disease. Judge myself. 
Listen, this is something you don't have to wait for the church to do. You can have communion with the Lord. You can have communion with the Lord. I mean, you can do it every day. In fact, it's a good idea to, to uh, commune with the Lord every day. It's a good idea. It's a real good idea before you lay your head down in the bed. It's a real good idea to say, Lord, did I sin today? Lord, is there any sin in my life? Lord, I, I don't I don't know if I Lord if if there was some sin in my if there's some hidden sin in my life, if there's something in my life that's not right with you, Lord, reveal it to me so that I can repent and get right. Lord, help me to make the adjustment. Lord, help me to make the shift. Lord, help me to make the change. Listen, this is good news for you. This is good news. Make the adjustment. Make the adjustment. Well, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness. If you've got an offering tonight, we're just going to have you leave it in the back. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your fellowship. Father, we thank you that you revealed to us your goodness and your kindness. Father, if there's any unrepented sins in our life, Father, reveal it to us so that we may repent and make the shift and make the change so that we can bring a stop to the plagues. We can bring a stop to sickness, death, and disease. We can bring a stop to premature death in our life. And, Father, we just give you the glory and the honor as we sow a seed into your kingdom. Father, we thank you for your hand of provision. We thank you for your hand of protection. And, Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. If you're giving online, the instructions are on the screen. If you're giving, on, giving in-house, you can put it in the back as you leave. We'll have the receptacle back there.